0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to my podcast, The Sonder Society. Sonder is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness. In this podcast, we focus on the people behind Instagram, its advantages and disadvantages, and how the future has been shaped around it. I have designed and implemented a platform to share insights with you from a variety of guests of different backgrounds, to let you into their life, work, relationships, and experiences. Let's get into it. Hi Josie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm super excited to have you. I know we've both been excited to, to have this conversation and unravel a couple of the things we're going to talk about today. How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling good. I'm excited to get into the dirty details.
0: The dirty details. Wow, you're straight in there. Now I'm excited to see what I can unravel from these conversations. Obviously, a couple of topics we're going to go through pretty much as normal. Um, It's about the life behind the social media accounts, so getting to know you on a bit more of a personal level. Obviously, childhood and family uh, work, dating relationships and mental health, of course, will be some of the topics we go through today. What I want to do is start pretty much at the beginning, um, as we always do, pretty much from childhood. Do you want to kind of open that door for me from pretty much back when you can remember?
1: Oh, yeah. It's been a roller coaster, but I was born, I, I like to say I was born and raised in Calgary, but I actually, when I was born, lived in Tokes, so just outside of Calgary. Um, but I grew up with my mom and my two older brothers. I will get into it, but I've never met my real dad and I grew up thinking that my brother's dad was my dad, but my parents were divorced even when I was born, so knew there was no one there. Um, but we lived in Oak Tokes until I was about six, and then we moved into Calgary. But I always went to school in Calgary, so I grew up going to school here, so I made lots of friends here off the hop. Um, but I was always that kid that lived in five different neighborhoods or did dance in one neighborhood, did hockey in another neighborhood, and met a bunch of different kids all around the city. So I've known a lot of people around the city for a long time. Grew up in the southeast, went to school in the southwest, and then I went to high school, actually where two of your previous guests have gone to, um, downtown Calgary, one of the biggest high schools here, and spent a lot of time in all my extracurriculars, and I I had a very close knit group of friends, so I, in high school I was very quiet. I didn't didn't hang out with a ton of people except for my core four.
0: Oh, how that's changed!
1: Oh, I know. And then the, here we go to now my adulthood. I feel like every time I'm somewhere, I run into someone I know, and I think it's so funny just because that is an exact reflection of my childhood of growing up in different neighborhoods. Um, but yeah, and then I didn't end up going to post secondary. I ended up jumping straight into my career by accident, and then just recently started a new job and I just feel like I'm fully living my 25 year old social butterfly life right now.
0: We love that, we'll we'll definitely dive into that. I wanna go back a little bit to what you said there about not going into Mm post-secondary. What was, what dictated that decision? Was there something specific that that turned that for you?
1: It's quite the story. I, out of high school, my parents really wanted me to go to post-secondary and so eventually I ended up picking the architectural technologies program at SAIT And I decided to go, but within a semester, I knew that that was not what I wanted to do. I did not want to be in school. Um, And that December I had actually applied at Lululemon just for like a seasonal position, just thought I'd work there for a while. And within two weeks of starting there, they asked me to be full-time and I started going there full-time while my parents still thought I was going to school full-time. So I was fully lying to my parents for an entire semester. Wow. Yeah, obviously that was not a fun thing for my mom to find out. Did, um, I was about
0: to say, how, did she find out, and how did she find yeah,
1: out? Yeah, she found out um, from a letter that got delivered to the house. I vividly remember I was at work, and she I got three phone calls from her in a row, and I was like, uh oh, something's wrong, and um, I answered the phone, and she was like, do you want to explain why a letter just came to the house that says that you are no longer attending SAIT? It. <laughs> and I got really nervous and but it was funny because I was supposed to buy a perfume for her that day so I tried to call her back and be like what perfume do you want she was like just come home like she was so mm. mad um, but once I sat her down and explained to her that truly for my mental health this was when my anxiety like was the highest it's ever been in my life and I know we'll get into that um, but that was when I knew that I needed to sit down to my mom and explain to her that school was destroying my mental health and being there was not somewhere that I was going to be able to fix my mental health and even just two weeks at Lululemon and being around those people, I knew that that was going to be somewhere that could help me grow and learn as a person.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's amazing that you were able to do that or say that to a parent. You know, there sometimes could be a lot of pressure that you've got to go to secondary school and, and you know, go to university, whatever it is. And yeah. and realizing that that wasn't good for your mental health again, which we will go into um, Is not an easy thing to do, especially to say that to your mom and, and be able to explain that. So I'm, I'm sure that was a difficult um, time. I want to dive in and you you alluded to it at the beginning um, with regards to your childhood a little bit there, mm-hmm. but I want to kind of, I guess I'm going to open it up straight away with what did you find difficult as a child? And there's probably multiple things. Oh, um, yeah. So feel free to, to, to go any direction with that.
1: Well, I am the youngest. I have two older brothers um, and they are eight and five years older than me. So they are quite a bit older than me. So obviously me being the little baby sister, they were very overprotective of me. Um, But I think the hardest thing was watching my mom be a single mom while navigating her relationships. Um, with not only me, but the men in her life and my brothers, I never wanted to be her disappointment. I wanted to be the like little angel child when I saw her fighting with my brothers and they were a little bit older. So their fights when I was eight years old, they were teenagers. So they were fighting about things like going out or friends or girls and things like that. While I was just worried about like going to elementary school and playing with my dolls. And so I always grew up saying like, I'm not going to be the problem. Fast forward a lot of years, I was a different problem. (laughs) I just gave her grief in different ways. Um, But that was definitely a tough thing to navigate was being so young and seeing more adult relationships. Like I know even Jackson, his, his siblings, they're only all like a year apart. So their life was happening all kind of together. Whereas my older brothers had gone through different phases, much different phases than when I did. And I remember when I was young and my older teenager brother was going through anxiety and depression and like watching him go through that was brutal as a kid and not understanding what was going on.
0: What was, that's interesting for sure. With with an age gap, let's say that can be difficult. What did, did you notice anything when he went through anxiety and depression or did it kind of, did you not understand that at the time?
1: Yeah I think there was a lot of it that I didn't understand and so to me it was just that my brother was sad all the time I could not understand why and at the time he quit his sports he broke up with his girlfriend and here's little of me just being like what is going on with my brother but the tough thing for me was actually watching him try and explain it to my parents um, to my mom my stepdad and to his dad just seeing how he was trying to navigate those conversations and not seeing them go very well because he was the oldest and he did kind of have to navigate those paths. And back then, like when I was eight years old, those conversations were not, it was much more taboo back then. Mental health was not as much spoken as it is now. And it's not as much, um, like not everyone back then was okay with having their children be sad (laughs) or Mm -hmm. like going through issues and the communication wasn't there. So that was definitely, it made me really nervous when I was older to come forward to my mom. I vividly remember telling my brother that if I tell my mom I'm depressed, she's going to think it's her fault.
0: That's a very, that's a very interesting point. Yeah. And I can see exactly why you would feel like that. Did you ever, like obviously communication was difficult and it was a bit more taboo back then. Did you ever have conversations with your brothers to kind of talk about it? Was it did they kind of sh- shut themselves in the room and close down? Was that kind of the, the routine there?
1: Yeah, I think my oldest brother, he definitely was a lot more closed off from it. He didn't really talk to me about it, and I don't think he wanted to because he wanted to set this example that everything was okay and that he could get through everything. Um, however, my the next oldest brother, he was a lot more open about it. He, Him and I got really, really close because of my mental health issues. Just because him and I were a little bit closer in age, I just found it easier to speak to him because I knew he was going through it a little bit closer to me. Um, and yeah, I think his, his issues just hit home closer with mine. It was more on the anxiety side than it was the depression. And I could just see a lot of his habits in myself. Um, so speaking to him about it was a lot easier as well as when I was older, I moved in with him and his girlfriend. And so him and I have remained a lot closer in terms of speaking about our mental health issues just because they firsthand saw it. They were there when I went through the worst breakup of my life. I lived with them. They they saw the worst of it. So even to this day, I'm a lot closer with them in regards to that than I am my older brother.
0: Yeah, and I think as well, like with mental health, when you're surrounded by people that have got habits, for example, anxiety, when you live with those people, it's easy to pick up that same routine, which creates anxiety, right? It's kind of like being in a suction cup or a bubble of, of, of anxiety, and it seems to kind of pass along. I've experienced that um, as well, and, and it can be a very difficult thing. I want to talk about obviously probably the biggest topic, and I know a lot of people are going to be interested in this topic, and I think it's an amazing thing to share. I know you've shared it on TikTok a little bit and you know people have asked questions and you've now got to a point where you're comfortable with it. It's going to be the story about your dad right mm-hmm. so I want to I'm going to kind of hand it over to you and you can start where you like with that story. Obviously I know a little bit of the inside details of, of what that looks like and, and but I want to know when you tell the story, I want to talk a little bit about your emotions, so how you felt during this as well. Mm-hmm. But I'll pretty much let you take it away, and I'll uh, I'll dig deeper if I need to.
1: Sounds good. Yeah, so the story of my, as my mom would call him, sperm donor. She does not call him my dad. He has never been <laughs> referred to as my dad. Um, he. So it's kind of tough because I, obviously, I found out when I was nine years old that my dad, who I thought was my dad, is not. So I... What happened was I found out through a baby calendar. So basically I was going about my merry little life. And like I said earlier, I knew that my mom was not with my, who I thought was my dad. So we were at home one day and I was going through the basement and I found a baby calendar and it said a name that was not my dad's name. So I went upstairs to my mom and I looked at her and I said, who is this man? And she said, (laughs) cause it said baby's dad, that that was the line. And then it said, not my dad's name. So I thought. And so I went to her and I said, mom, what is this? Can you explain this? And only being nine years old, obviously, I'm sure I was like, mom, what is it? Like, I didn't say it like that. I didn't really comprehend what was going on. Actually, the first thing in my mind was that I knew that my dad was adopted. So I thought I was like, is this just the wrong name? Like, did he change his name? Which is so stupid now looking back on because he was an adult. But that's just genuinely what nine year old me thought when I picked up that calendar. And she just said, look, no one loves you any different. Your brothers are still your brother's. I am still your mom and Greg is still your dad to you. And I was like, okay, I I don't understand what that means though. And she said, your biological dad is not Greg. And I kind of freaked out, but I didn't like, I didn't really freak out in the way that I like got upset or anything like that. It was just, I could not comprehend what was going on. I didn't really understand why. Um, And so she just explained that, they were, the bro- they were my brother's dad, and he was always there for me growing up. And when I was younger, I just started calling him dad. We were at a hockey game when I was younger, and I'm sure some details of this, my mom will correct me one day. Um, but we were sitting at a hockey game, and I just looked up at him one day and called him dad. And he looked at my mom and said, don't worry about it. Like, don't don't tell her any different. And I was seeing him constantly at this time because we were young. He was going to my brother's games. I was going to my brother's games at the time. I was going to school with my brothers and we'd get dropped off every day. Like we'd walk home to his house every day and my mom would pick us up from there. So I was seeing him every day and calling him dad every day. So even my mom said there's just nothing that has to change. Nothing's different. It's just that they, he's technically not your biological dad. And so.
0: I guess obviously I want to jump in there because I want to break this down a little bit. You're nine at this point. Yeah. And trying to figure that out and understanding what that even means if you take yourself back in that position how did you even comprehend it how did you make sense of it obviously they were great with you right they were mm-hmm. like call him what you want you know be comfortable and, and he was great at the time but how did you feel in that scenario where you're nine years old and you don't necessarily know how to deal with this situation or fully understand it but you're trying to cope as best you can
1: I remember vividly going to school that day and looking at the attendance sheet and being really confused because my last name on the attendance sheet was Hart. And that was the same last name as my brothers and my mom and my brother's dad. So I was like, wait a minute, because that was my, my mom had said. She said, your last name's actually not Hart. It's Bertram. And I was like, what the heck is going on? So I remember almost going through a bit of an identity crisis. And I was like, wait why is this happening? And even then I immediately went to my brother's friends and my brothers. And of course my brothers knew what was going on. But the weird thing to me was that all my brother's friends also knew. And I was very, I was kind of frustrated by that. I remember being really upset when my brothers were saying like, oh yeah, Jake knew or like all these guys knew that my dad wasn't Greg. And so I was there at his house every day and all these people around me knew, but I didn't. So I remember feeling very lost in that regard. But honestly, I was so young that I just like couldn't quite comprehend what was going on. And it wasn't until I think I was like 15 that I actually sat down and was like, wait a minute. I have never met my real dad.
0: I think you mentioned at the beginning, actually, that your brothers were overprotective over you, right? You were the baby. And what that seemed in what you just said seemed a bit evident in why all their friends knew they knew potentially they were keeping it from you and that mm-hmm. was the overprotective trait of brothers is to if she doesn't need to know why would we tell her mm-hmm. was that part of the the story there
1: I think so and I think that was the thing is truthfully my biological dad is not a good man and that is why I will never reach out to him I never want to meet him and I don't know very much about him but the little that I do know that he was not great to my mom and he was not great to my brothers. I think to the point with my brothers that they are, that almost made them more protective of me not wanting to know this relationship. And they've been a big driver in that because they firsthand experienced him at an age where they could comprehend his actions and they didn't agree with them. So I think that was a big part of it too, is that they wanted to give me so much love to fill that gap that it almost came out as being like overprotective
0: obviously, like you said, you don't want to meet him, you have no interest reaching out. Was there ever a point where that wasn't the case? And you were like, I think it's time. Like, I feel ready. I want to do it. And the compound to this is what changed your mind?
1: 100%. There has been so many times, mostly from friends where they'll kind of poke and prod and be like, what do you mean you don't want to find out? How do you not want to find out? And I just think for me, because it was, I went so long without wanting to know that it didn't really come into my brain. But Honestly, there even sometimes it'll come in that I'm like, oh my gosh, like what? That is such a big part of my life that I don't know. And I even think like, I, I don't know half my heritage on that side. And so there is times where I'm a little bit curious, but never so far to the point of wanting to meet him because I also just think so deep down, it really hurts me that this man knows he has a child that's been on this earth for 25 years and he has not wanted to reach out and he wants nothing to do with me. And I also like I think it was maybe five years ago, found out he also has other children Mm -hmm. with other women. And I found out kind of in a roundabout way. um, I was just told like, well, I don't know why your mom thought it would be any different because he did this before with other women. (laughs) And so I was pretty upset when I heard that too, just to find out that I also have more half siblings and considering my brothers are technically half siblings, just knowing that there's more of technically those relationships out there. But I know that my relationship with my brothers is the way it is because of how I was raised with them. Um, but just to know that there's people that I share half my DNA with is kind of terrifying that I will never probably never meet, and that's why I have not done the 23andme test yet because
0: See, I have. Yes, we, I have. I'm I actually nervous. got it bought it as a gift. Okay, um, yeah. I got it bought as a gift actually from an ex-girlfriend and I think she was more interested in finding the information out than I was. Yeah. I was like, obviously it was a nice gift like cool, that's amazing, but Back to what you were saying, I think friend peer pressure is actually always the trigger of why you think about it more. And I think I've had many conversations with friends of like, why won't you meet him or why don't you want to find them? The hardest thing to explain to someone is why you don't, because it's hard for them to understand when they've had it in their life. Most likely they can't understand why. Now, I've explained to a lot of my friends is if I did meet them, I'm uprooting something that could cause chaos in my life that's never been there. And I don't know any different. And sometimes that's hard for people to grasp because you try and look at the positive, but what if you do? What if it you know makes your life better? Um, but I just don't think that's the case. And I, and I think back on what you say as well, they equally have had the opportunity, um, almost probably the more responsibility to do it themselves as the parent, to reach out themselves. And again, that's not easy to do for whatever reason they've made the decision they have. Why should you force anything different? And, and I think that's... A difficult thing people experience a lot through their life um, and there's obviously a lot of people that listen to this will go through those types of traumas let's say in their life and, and it's not easy to deal with i want to talk about how it impacted you obviously missing the dad figure in your life i've talked about it on my episode and with other people as well but what do you think was the impact do you think that triggered different things that happened in your life Has that emotionally affected you, et cetera? Give give me a little bit of detail there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it always brings up the joke of like, oh, she has daddy issues. And while that I'm sure to an extent is true because I do have raging abandonment issues, I actually think that those come from different males leaving my life and we'll also get into that, I know. But it actually, there is so many times where I'll look at relationships and just think that, it, I don't know. It, I have a hard time trusting people just because I don't think that you ever, I don't know, the whole perspective of it for me is that my mom went into this relationship thinking she knew this person and then he turned out completely different because of one life event. When he found out she was pregnant with me, he did not want me. And the reaction to that, that's what divided them and that's what split them. So I think now with relationships, I also do come in really fast and heavy when it comes to things like that. I want to know right away, do, do you want to have kids? What would, what would What is your relationship with your family like? Because that is now so important to me because mm-hmm, right. seeing that that is what affected my mom's relationship. Um, but yeah, I definitely do think that there is a bit of like male consistency issues in my life. And I, I did going through all of this, like when I was nine years old, my mom already was with my stepdad so they were already together and I did have my brother's dad and I do have my brothers but it definitely it's weird I don't have that traditional like mom and um, father loving relationship like a lot of my friends have I've never celebrated one of my mom's wedding anniversaries nothing so that's definitely been weird for me I don't feel like I have a solid relationship to look at in my life that's been like oh my mom and dad are married and in love I've never really witnessed that so kind of funny that even for me that i still want to go the traditional route and i still want to like fall in love and get married and have kids that always surprises people when they hear my history but i think because that's what i didn't have that's what i yearn for for so much
0: yeah i think i think that's self-explanatory right i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people in that situation you're looking for what potentially was the missing piece in your life and eventually that'll come right it's with the right person um that you find there another subject to complicated obviously grandparents I believe they stopped speaking to you as well that kind of came into a complication I think you actually posted something recently-ish on on TikTok about this so people probably know again a bit of the story and a a snippet but obviously a good opportunity to go into some some detail there do you want to take that one away
1: yeah that one was a sore subject for a really long time um but I had so I had two really prominent male figures in my life besides my um and that was my uncle Cole and my grandpa we call my papa um and my uncle Cole actually passed away when I was I think I was 15 or 16 um from a drug overdose so when he passed away that was already again I was missing a huge person in my life that was like and from passing away from a drug overdose too that was something that came suddenly and it tore my life apart I was having nightmares for months it was the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with in terms of a family loss um and that already created some distance within my family. We had my aunt that was married to my uncle. She ended up moving back to Quebec to be with her family. She took her kids with her when she moved. So that was a whole chunk of my family that left without any sort of my control or anything that I could do to change the matter. And then a few years later, when I was 18, my grandma passed away. Um, and she passed away kind of over Christmas and it was hard because it was a few months of her being really sick. So we said goodbye to her a few times before she actually passed away in January. Um, and during the whole process of that, my papa got really distant and he, keep in mind, he had lost his son a few months or or a few years earlier. So when my grandma passed away, we could tell that something was very different with him. He was very distant. He kind of, He just like reclused fully and we knew that this was going to be a tough relationship going forward. What we did not expect was that a couple years later he would be fully remarried and would no longer speak to us whatsoever. So what happened was basically he got into this new relationship and it's true men grieve during sickness whereas women grieve after. So um, an older male moving on from a relationship is not new but we were just surprised because of the love that my grandma and papa shared. So when he got remarried, the kids weren't really, like the grandparents, or the grandkids, sorry, we weren't really invited to the wedding. It was kind of a text to my parents saying like, hey, the wedding's going to be this weekend if you can make it cool. If not, no big deal. And so that was already a bit of a dagger to us because we were so close to him when my grandma was alive. And then he got married and at the wedding, there was some choice words that were shared between my side of the family and his side of the family that resulted into him never speaking to us ever again.
0: Like in speeches or?
1: No, So like someone got too drunk and called his new wife a not so nice word. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he was really upset by that. And it was exactly that, the nail in the coffin of like this relationship that we already knew was doomed. Um, Just from his new relationship right off the bat, it was super weird. He like my, his new girlfriend was sleeping in my grandma's bed with like the same sheets and like my grandma's glasses were still on the table and like her toothbrush was still in the cabinet. Like it was very weird and I'm sorry to my family that has to relive this again but it's it's a very real thing and it was something that we went through and something that was really tough for me because again I had lost I'd never had my real dad yes I had my brothers and then I found out that my who I thought was my dad wasn't then I like my uncle had passed away and then in the time between my uncle passing away and my grandma passing away um, my mom and my stepdad had actually split for a while for like three years So he also was not around. (laughs) My stepdad. We had moved out of his house. So then this was just like another person leaving my life that was fully out of my control. Um, And he was super close to me. And I've even texted him since. I've reached out to him a few times with no response whatsoever, which also is a shot straight to the heart. That is definitely everyone. I also everyone always kind of thought if both my cousin and I reached out, that he would respond to us, but nothing. So that's been pretty brutal. So that was definitely like the trigger for my abandonment issues. hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And I think in your mind, you're probably thinking it's almost like a domino effect. Everyone is, is somehow leaving, whether that's down to yourself or someone else involved, they're leaving for some reason. Right. And then you probably start to question everything and go, why is it me? Is it them? Like what, what is the story behind that? And that's something that's really hard to grasp in life to basically be at peace with that. How have you surrounded yourself now with with kind of your current support system? Obviously, you've gone through all this trauma. There's a lot more depth to those stories, I'm sure. But what have you done to spin it around mentally specifically to think of the positive of what you've learned from those experiences so that you can move it forward?
1: I think the big thing for me is finding healthy friendships I was the girl growing up that wasn't, t- like, I wasn't friends with a ton of girls. Girls were really mean to me. I was bullied really severely in junior high um, because of the way that I looked and that I got along with guys really well because I of my relationships with my older brothers, and I know that sounds very pick-me-girl, um, but having a good group of girls around me has made the biggest difference, and I never thought, like, 15-year-old Josie would be so proud to see 25-year-old Josie have a girl group beside her. And obviously, I owe my life to my best friend, Alana. She is the reason that I'm alive. And every time we talk about any of these things, she always says it's a wonder that I turned out so so normal compared to everything that's happened to me.
0: <laughs> normal. She always <laughs>
1: says that. She's like, how are you alive right now? Or how are you okay? And it truly is because of people like her that I can speak to about things like this and not feel judged. And even just finding friendships where... You feel like you can be yourself no matter what you're doing. Even the fact that I can come here and talk to you and feel comfortable doing this, those are the type of friendships that I just really surround myself with. You cannot choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And I think another big part of my mental health that I owe to is actually to my job at Lulu. They are very strict with taking care of yourself. And there is times where it obviously it's still a job. You do. I know a lot of people think it's a cult and there's days where I find that it's a cult. (laughs) But you do every day, you speak about your emotions a lot more than you do at any other company. Um, And that has, because I started when I was 18 and now I'm 25, a lot of my emotional maturity has come from that company and the way that they run um, kind of their, even their days. You start your day with talking about how you're feeling, how everyone's doing and a mental health check-in essentially. So that's been a big part of me is my friends and my coworkers, honestly.
0: So Lulu's obviously been a bit of a saving grace as well working at, at Lulu Lemon. Is that because of the concept of the business that they've created or is it the people you purely work with?
1: Honestly, it's the people. The the and you will anyone that you ask that works there that has been there for an extended period of time, they will say, "Why do you still work here?" and you will respond with the people. And the thing is, is there is people that will come and go that have made your life beautiful and people that have made your life a living hell. I have had both that I've worked with. I have made some of my best friendships and I have also had some of my worst heartbreaks because of that company. But it truly is the growth and the ability to constantly meet people. And it's not just the people you work with, it's the guests every day too. You get to constantly, I'm very much an introverted extrovert. I do love my alone time and I need to be alone, but I thrive talking to people all day. And so I love that I have a job where I, I, that's what I do is I connect with people, ask them what they're looking for, get a bit of backstory from them and just to like get to talk to people all day. I love chatting.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, we'll, we'll find that out in the next <laughs> half an hour or so here. How did you even get into Lulu? Like what was the kind of story that did you, did someone push you towards and say, hey, this will be great for you? Was it just, I need a job? How did you fall into that?
1: Honestly, it was a mix of, I grew up as kind of like a dancer, and so I was around the, the clothing a lot because of that. But honestly, at the time, it was just that I wanted a job. And it, I was just looking at like what was available for seasonal at the time. And it was just a job I applied for Sephora and Lululemon. And looking back, I'm really glad I did not get a job at Sephora. I would not fit in there. But yeah, Lulu was kind of a happy accident. And that was the thing is at the time when I started there too, I was in a disgustingly toxic relationship. Um... And it was really funny. Within two weeks, my manager sat me down and she said, break up with that guy. He's ruining your life. And I was shocked that someone said that to me after I'd been with this person for on and off for a really long time. But she recognized immediately that he was draining the life out of me. So to have someone feel, just like show up for you and make you feel like they care after knowing you for only two weeks, I was like, this is my place.
0: (laughs) We'll definitely get into relationships. I think, again, that's going to be an interesting story to unravel. I had a question that I'm curious about. You mentioned, obviously, you know, Alana came into your life. You've got girls, a friendship group. With the male part of your life not being there, Do you are you close with some male friends? you have like that kind of group too? Or have you, you know, kind of attached to girls more because of this, the environment I guess you've been in?
1: I think for a really long time, I would attach myself to male friends. But now looking back at it, I think I was really naive in the kind of, like how genuine those relationships were, and I used to always think that guys and girls could be friends. But if I'm 100% honest now, I think I don't. I don't know if I still believe that to a full extent. Really, I, I do think that there is always, if the girl were to give an opportunity, I think 99% of the time the guys the guy would go for it. And so, if the single, oh yeah, and so I do think there a lot of the times, even in the times where I thought our friendships were the most genuine. If I said, hey, let's hook up right now, they would do it. And so now looking back at that, I don't think those relationships were as genuine or those friendships were as genuine as I expected. Has it happened? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh. Yes. Okay.
1: Multiple times. And even like guys that I did not do that with or like didn't hook up with or didn't flirt with, now even like if they are in relationships, they would admit it.
0: Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So Uh,
1: yeah. So I definitely think like... in. For true genuine friendships, I have now really stuck to girls and there is girls that are terrible. There's girls that you would, that are brutal and are not genuine, but I think it is finding those people that are truthful with you and honest with you. And that's the thing. Alana and I have gone through hell and back in our friendship and even we've only been super, super close for a year, but we have been through some of the hardest times together in terms of our separate lives. And also together, I had to tell my boss about one of her relationships because it was almost getting me fired. And that was like having to tell that and betray my best friend's trust in that way because of how this relationship was affecting me. That was brutal. But getting through that and coming out on the other side of it has made us closer than ever.
0: Yeah. And I think... It, I mean, it's super interesting that male-female dynamic you're talking about. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I agree, honestly, because I think I've got a lot of girlfriends that I wouldn't, I would, honestly, I, I wouldn't go that way. I just wouldn't. I just see them as a friend. And I, it, it, to be honest, if they gave me a chance, I'd probably be like, what the fuck is going on? So I think um,
1: it is. I do think there's like there's it's situational, but I do find looking back on my male friendships, there was a lot there that. I think if you have previously had relations and nothing came from it and you guys are fine and have moved past it, then yes, you can be friends. But if there is always that like curiosity.
0: <laughs> then Basically, I can't be friends with girls. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> I think you just may need to reevaluate how genuine it is or if the, if you actually would. Like if you were genuinely given the opportunity on a platter and like no no issues to come with it, nothing, you would probably do it more often than you think you wouldn't.
0: I'll have to analyze my friend, <laughs> I'll have to analyze my friendship group there, but I, I think I'm safe that they're uh, they're just friends. We'll uh <laughs> we'll, we'll jump into dating relationships cuz mm-hmm. I think that's the perfect segue um to dive into that. As always, we're going to kind of get an understanding of your current situation. Um but someone asked actually that sent a question straight up just said how's your dating life and do you use Hinge? So we'll start off with I presume you're single right now oh very not hooking up with your friends um no. <laughs> but how is your dating life what's that situation right now
1: my dating life is currently non-existent um good. It's going yeah. well then. no it's it's pretty brutal I now on top of Lulu I also am a bartender at Cowboys and so basically when I'm not at Lululemon, I'm at Cowboys and I'm bartending Shout out
0: cowboys hell
1: yeah and it's busy and it's It's a very fast life and it's also really hard to find work-life balance and to sleep at all. So I do find now when I do have time to myself, I either really want to spend time with myself and actually take care of myself or I want to be with my best friend. So it's really hard to find someone that A, to even have the time to create a genuine connection or B, find someone genuine enough that being with them, I know I'm actually creating a relationship and not wasting my time on some sort of like fluffy hookup kind of situation.
0: What's the, obviously you mentioned working at Cowboys and, and that's, a, that's a different story for another time. But what's the attention like? Obviously that is probably a level up compared to a Lulu. Maybe you do get mm-hmm. um, chatted up in Lulu, but obviously serving in a bar and especially in Cowboys and, and I guess the attention and the amount of people do go in there What's that like for you and and maybe all the girls that, that you're surrounded by too?
1: I can tell when guys want to like make more of a connection than just like a, hi, you're so beautiful, but it's really hard to get past that. And so to me, anytime a guy does just come up and say like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful or I always, a lot of people compliment me on my eyes, which I'm like, that's very sweet. But I also... I'm like, are you trying to find anything else to compliment me on? When you've got blue eyes, it's an easy (laughs) go-to. It's the
0: easiest go-to ever. Whoever's used it, well done.
1: Yeah, there you go. But I definitely think, obviously, the attention is there and it's frequent. And while it is nice, it honestly does not affect me anymore. I think four years ago, I would have eaten that up. Is it more annoying?
0: Is it actually more annoying? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I just think like... People also have no scope of my age. Like I was telling you, I'm very upset (laughs) because the one man so far that I've been like, oh, I really like this guy. He was very sweet and very attractive. Turns out he was 18. So people just don't really understand what my age is when they're hitting on me. I don't think everyone thinks I'm younger, which is fine. But obviously Cowboys has a younger group too. So it's hard. I just, it's hard to see past that facade of like, okay, are you just flirting with me because I'm your bartender and you want me to give you free drinks, which is, I'm I'm not going to do. So you doing that, it's just going to end up annoying me more than anything. Or do you actually want to get to know me? And then some of them, like some of them will ask me what my name is. They'll look for my name tag. Some of them will follow me on Instagram after and like things like that. But I don't really give out my phone number. I know that it's never going to go anywhere. And half the time like they're drunk. I'm and I'm sober. <laughs> and so I just it's hard to find a genuine connection there.
0: I mean, it's amazing the confidence alcohol gives you, let me tell oh, you. Oh yeah. Um but that's again a different story. Um someone actually put this in as well. They were asking what your type is. Um mainly like what is the personality you usually go
1: for. Ooh, I actually have an exact list on my phone. <laughs> Fuck off, really? <laughs> yeah. Get it out. Okay. so I created this list um over
0: okay is it while you're getting it out is this is this creepy like are are people gonna listen to me like that's weird okay no
1: the reason I did this I will explain this to you so over the last year and I told Alana I wouldn't speak this into existence but I feel like I have been the girl that's been good enough to get to know or hook up with if you will but not date and so But I feel like for most of those situationships, I have kind of like, there's one thing that I normally would go for that I kind of was just like, oh, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. Like he has all these other things. And then I would end up getting hurt. So after my most recent situationship ended in like September, I was like, screw this. I am not lowering my standards for anybody. So I made an exact list and it's titled criteria for a boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really funny how often this gets pulled out and it hurts People's feelings often.
0: Do you like? Do you pull this out to guys that you're chatting to, or is this just like a joke with the girl? Like
1: uh, both. Usually, it's a joke with the girls, but the amount of guys lately that have been like, "What's your type?" and I'll be like, "Oh, if you don't check off every single one of these things, like it's you're not getting a chance." And then so then they see it.
0: Maybe that's the way to go. See, and
1: that's kind of because that's the thing. I have no time for myself anymore. So, and I'm if I'm honest, I'm at the point in my life where I want to be picky, and I don't think I I should apologize for that. So, yeah, this is my exact list. Go for are it. Are you ready? 5'11 or taller.
0: Okay, wait, wait. wait I feel like we, I need to dissect these. Okay. okay. Wait, how tall how are you? I'm 5'7. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm not sense. I'm
1: not super short. So, I like to wear that's heels.
0: Fair. 5'11, that's fair because that's a pretty decent average exactly. height for a lot of people. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, muscular and athletic because okay. health and like athleticism is really important to me in my life. And if I have kids, I want them to be athletic. Um, doesn't vape or smoke.
0: <laughs> good luck with that one I was gonna say we were talking about vaping last night a couple of us and everyone's obviously it's January now so people are in that I quit vaping I give it up and mm-hmm. then someone pulled it out at the dinner table and they were like uh can I uh I yeah. was like there you go
1: It's that's everyone fiends for it especially when they're drunk and I don't know I've I think I grew up my grandma smoked when I grew up and so being around her smoking made me automatically disgusted by it and like my mom doesn't smoke nothing. Like it just was never something that I ever liked in my life. I hate the smell of it, everything. And just like watching someone vape, I'm like, you look disgusting. Sorry, no. everyone. But I, was it, about, it knocks, I was about to say, I'm like, God. it knocks a lot of people off the list. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. This one really hurts a lot of feelings. No receding hairline. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I, th- I mean, fair. Fair fair it's just They've i already, gotta have a good set of hair
1: well and i already have thin blonde hair like blonde hair is naturally very thin i'm very naturally blonde and so i just know that that's going to be a genetic and i know i'm pretty sure it comes from like your mom's uncle side or something <laughs> you're so thinking I give, of the kids i want to give my kids the best chance that's fair yeah um can grow facial hair
0: yeah okay
1: because i'd like a man that can do both um understands anxiety around communication
0: wait you mean can communicate with you about it yeah okay like well can
1: communicate with me around uh, around my anxiety but also understands my anxiety around the need for communication because I've been cheated on so many times
0: what okay that's an interesting one to unravel what do you think about people that have also got anxiety does that scare you like some people I know that've got anxiety like I don't want to be with someone that's also got anxiety because it'll create a Time bomb.
1: No, no, see, I've been with people that don't have it and I've been with people that have it and 99% of the time, the people that have it and understand their anxiety and know how to cope with it are much better partners because I have fully broken up with someone who would not face the fact that they had anxiety and did not want to get help and it actually ruined our relationship because Mm -hmm. I knew that I, I had it and I just wanted him to get help. And I've also been with someone who literally did not have anxiety whatsoever. So anytime I freaked out or was insecure or had a panic attack they had no idea what to do to the point where it actually they would just back away and that stressed me out more so i actually think people that have anxiety and have coped with it and understand how to get through it make the best partners interesting yeah just because i have raging anxiety so i need someone who can and that makes sense like if
0: you're gonna uh, like it's very hard to relate to mental health issues yeah and that's gonna be important whether they've got it or not but if they can understand the communication there then yeah i get that one for sure what else is there?
1: Um, outdoorsy and adventurous.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I dated multiple. Okay. I sound like I've dated so many people. I've only had three serious relationships in my life, but I've had situationships.
0: 900 situations.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the guys that have been like outdoorsy and adventurous have always just in other ways, I've seen it impact their life. They're more go with the flow. They're more like, yeah, let's just try it. Let's just do it. And that's very much how I am. Um, and also just like, I want to be, I want to go camping. I want to go skiing. It's like. I'm outdoorsy, so I want someone that can match that energy. This one is brutal for living in um, Alberta. This destroys 99% of the people off the list. Um, votes NDP. <laughs> I
0: can just imagine all you girls sat in a room before you start <laughs> your shift and just being like, I've added another one on the list today. It's the NDPs.
1: Yeah, that one, Kate, Funny enough, I talked to my aunt about this the other day because she was like, does that really matter? And I was like, honestly, for me, yes, because I think it comes down to like morals matching up. And I know that politics, so there's so many people that will be like, oh, I don't talk politics. But for me, that's a cop-out because I'm like, okay, well, if you don't po- talk politics to me, are you actually secretly in love with Trump? Because 99% of men in Alberta are, but they don't want to admit it. Like they'll, they'll let that not be, an issue for them if they think the girl's pretty enough. And to me, that means you're not standing up for your beliefs. Interesting. Yeah. So that one's a big one for me.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Well, wow, there's a lot of thought that's gone into this. Oh yeah. That's Maybe, the thing. I didn't,
1: I, I didn't come up with this out of nowhere.
0: After, after this, I'll be writing some notes down to keep <laughs> track as I go and be like, didn't like that.
1: Didn't like that one. Um, and then use this proper grammar. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. I'm that one that. Okay. No, you know what the worst is? is when people say, I seen, that makes me want to punch them in the face. (laughs) It is I've seen or I saw. Oh, okay. I seen. Things like that. And also I have, the last thing on my list is I have literally no place in my life for anyone that uses racial, homophobic, or Mm -hmm. special needs slurs. I have a mentally handicapped aunt and so anytime anyone says the r word I don't care who it is I will say do not say that word Mm -hmm. that is a really big one for me and just I don't know just the fact that people can toss that stuff around it really bothers me so yeah same thing that is a absolute no-go
0: I think I mean I think your list honestly is pretty standard like I think that that like The things that you would notice that most people, and it doesn't necessarily mean those exact things, but a lot of people have that when they're going on dates. They're thinking about those types of things that need to add up for them. Mm -hmm. It seems like obviously being like, oh, she's got a list. She's crazy. Like you kind of almost overthink that that's a, a bit weird, but I don't think it is. I think it's just stuff that you're just reminding yourself of this is my expectations then and-
1: well and the hardest thing is that there's a lot of genuine people that i meet through friendships and stuff like that and back to the other question i do not use hinge i like i'll get it for a night and then I'm, i regret it after so i haven't done that in a really long time and i always just think it's just an ego boost just to because no really i don't think a lot of relationships actually come from it um and you can be too picky i think just based off of looks But I will meet people that and my most genuine relationships have always come from genuine meets. They've been through friends or two strangers meet in a bar or whatever. But what what I struggle with is when I make those connections and I meet those people and we're friends first and then we start to fall into some sort of situationship and they don't match up with my list. That's where I end up like kind of letting my standards fall. And then I realize it's not going to work. And then I end up getting myself hurt
0: fair enough that's fair enough Mm -hmm. um someone actually a listener wrote in um what are the biggest red flags for a girl so that kind of your list almost is probably a lot of those red flags but what is that the active red flags in a relationship that that you you think girls kind of get the ick for
1: i think honestly a lack of communication just in terms of I think nowadays i hate dating nowadays i hate how accessible everything is i think social media has completely destroyed relationship it is so easy to cheat now it's also just so easy to not commit to someone because you think you have all these options because everything is accessible to you i miss the times where if you wanted to talk to someone you had to actually pick up the phone and call them or you know you would drive to their house and go talk to them and see them and i think that for me is a really big thing is if you are going to hide behind a phone and just like not answer your phone and be like, Oh, I'm busy. Like my phone's just off. I totally understand having your own separate lives. And I'm a very busy person. There's tons of times where I can't look at my phone, but it's the communication of, Hey, I'm going to be at work for the next eight hours. So don't expect a response from me or, Hey, I'm out with my friends today. I'm going to be off my phone. I'll talk to you later. And then later that day, I'll pick up the phone and call them and say, Hey, how was your day? Because I also think texting back and forth 24 seven 7 is going to also ruin your communication. You're going to have nothing meaningful to talk about. So that I think that I think is the biggest red flag for me is when people don't understand that there's different communication styles and that social media plays such a big part in how relationships are run nowadays.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated dating world out there for sure. And, mm-hmm. and social media obviously has, it's got its pros and cons, right? It's it's helped people get in relationships and it, it turns it the other way around. I want to talk about your past relationships. I know you said, I think, three um, serious relationships, but I did do a little bit of creeping um, as I do with a lot of my guests. And obviously when you're on TikTok and scrolling, there's there's some information that you can sometimes steal there. I found a story, I think it was, I don't know if it was a boyfriend, but an ex-boyfriend um, took you to breakfast Told you he cheated on you the the night before, I think it was, and then um went for your phone while you were in the washroom. That's kind of what I took from this TikTok. Do you wanna give some details of that story and kind of how that unfolded?
1: There is so many more details to that story in terms of like the background context that make it a million times worse, because already people's reaction to that TikTok was, holy shit, this guy's terrible. But the funny thing about that was this is a guy that I had been dating for a long time to the point where we lived together. And we had gone through some stuff about a month before where we had almost ended our relationship, but we didn't. We decided to work through it. We went on a trip. We worked through it. We were great. Then out of nowhere one day, he went out with his friends. And this was the first time that he had gone out without me since we had started dating. And we were very attached at the hip in our relationship. It was... We just always wanted to be with each other. So him going out, I was completely fine with. At this point, I had no trust issues in that regard. So when I tell you, when I go to pick him up from the night out and he gets in my car and he's all snuggling up to me and he's telling me he loves me and then we get home and we walk in the door and I'm like, okay, babe, let's go to bed. Let's go upstairs. And he goes, I need you to sit down on the couch. And he looks at me and this is the night before, keep in mind. So he's drunk as all hell. And he looks at me and he says, I need you to go home. And I said, what? And he said, um, there's a girl coming over. You need to go home.
0: Wait, what?
1: Yeah. So I immediately am like, what's going on? He's like, I should have broken up with you a while ago. Like we should have never gotten back together after like that last month. I, I can't be with you. I'm not happy. And just starts spewing all this stuff about mm-hmm. how he should have broken up with me um, when he when it made sense to But instead he didn't and now this is how he is doing it. And so when I tell you I snatched that man's phone out of his hand because I was like, what the hell is going on? Mm. He was in fact texting a girl telling her to come over and he was telling me to leave even though this is where I lived. And granted it was his house. I moved into his house, but I was living there. All my stuff was there and he wanted to bring this girl home and bring her into our bed. So that was terrifying. And so I'm scream crying at this point. Mm -hmm. It is brutal. It is not It is messy. And his younger sister also lived with us and she was in the basement. So I ran downstairs and I show her his phone. She's freaking out and she's like, this is not real. This is what's going on. But he was so drunk. He could not even comprehend that he was doing something wrong. I finally, after like two hours, convince him to just go to bed. And I ended up trying to trap him in the room. Like I was like, I'll sleep on the couch. You trap, you sleep in the room. Um, just so I could kind of keep track of him. (laughs) And he wouldn't. So he slept out on the couch. I laid in the bed. I did not fall asleep that night. I think I fell asleep for like 20 minutes. And I woke up to him crawling into the bed and him trying to cuddle up to me and being like, we can work this out. I'm so sorry I did this. And me, context of me, I've been cheated on a lot. So unfortunately, I was very forgiving about that. And he was like, let's go to breakfast. Let's talk about this. Like we can get through this. So we go to breakfast and I said to him, When we were at breakfast, I said, you are making it sound like you cheated on me while you were out. Not that just like you were going to cheat on me. And he was like, I did. I made out with her at the bar. So I immediately start crying and we are out at breakfast and I run to the bathroom. And when I come back from the bathroom, he is going through my phone And he looks like he sees a ghost when I come back. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, well, I thought if I was unhappy, you were unhappy and you were cheating on me and you were talking to people. So it just goes to show that if someone is acting shady in the relationship and blaming things on you or accusing you of things, it's probably because they are doing it.
0: Wow. Yeah. I'm a tiny bit speechless. I'm like, (laughs) I'm trying to, I'm picturing it happening live in my head. And um, obviously that's a tough thing to go through. I kind of there was a couple of thoughts that I, I came up with from that but I kind of brought it actually back to your dad and kind of abandonment issues whatever you want to call it and would you rather go through the pain of being treated like shit than being abandoned because you feel like that's less pain than what abandonment has been is that part of that I mean that story to me seems like that where you've stuck around but you know you're probably not happy yourself, right?
1: I think this is the first time of my life that I've realized in the past six months, probably, that I would way rather have someone leave my life than treat me like shit. If you would have asked me a year ago, especially when I was going through this situation, because this did only happen a year ago, I was him leaving my life at that time was the worst thing that it could have happened to me. He could have done anything. He could have cheated on me. He could have, I don't even know. And I would have forgave that man because I genuinely thought I was going to marry him. And I was so hell bent on the fact that I could fix whatever the issues were. I could go through it. I could be the one, I could be a martyr of the relationship and let all this shit happen. But I was the one that stuck by my man. That's how I used to think. And now I'm so far the other way that if someone disrespects me in the slightest, they're done there is no second chances. There is not even a shred of an opportunity to say, I'm sorry. It's a you're done. And I'm never speaking to you again.
0: You're done. I like that.
1: (laughs) You're done. There you go. There (laughs) you go.
0: I, um, I also, another story, um, swiftly moving on there. I think, I don't know if I remember the story exactly. Again, TikTok, follow them. I think it's hilarious, but did your mom meet a guy in the street or something like that? And then you, I remember you documented this experience and I actually think it's a funny st- story. Yeah. You went on some dates with him or something. Tell, okay, tell, yeah. remind me of that story because I actually think it's a quite a funny one.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that actually, so my mom and I, I was moving out from my parents' house and we were furniture shopping. So we went to Ashley Furniture, shout out Ashley Furniture, and I was buying a couch and we were sitting on the couch, my mom and I, and our saleswoman, she was hilarious. She was really outgoing too. And as we were buying my couch, well, I was buying it. I'm an independent woman, but my mom was there. Um, I was buying it. And this couple comes up and they were like, do you mind if we sit on the couch and test it out with you? And we're like, yeah, of course, no problem. And we start talking to them. And I asked them, I said, why? Like, what are you? Or they asked me, what are you getting the couch for? And I said, oh, I'm moving into my first apartment on my own. This is my first big girl purchase. And they were like, oh, nice. We're buying it for our like beach house in Mexico. (laughs) And I made a joke. I I immediately go, do you have a single son? (laughs) Because, you know, selfish. And he was like, yeah, actually we do. And so we started chatting with them. And he was like, yeah, my son's a little bit older than you. He owns a condo off 17th, like things like that. And they showed me a picture of him and he's quite handsome. And so I, the saleswoman was like, give her like your son's phone number. And I was like, you guys can take my phone number. Because I was like, I don't want to ambush the son. Like we were the ones having the conversation. So you can have my phone number. You can explain the situation to your son if he wants to take me on a date. Cool. So the next day he texts me. And he was like, hey, I heard you met my parents. They loved you. Um, and I would really like to take you on a date. And so did, he,
0: did he, sorry, no, at this fine. point, did he see, like, did he have your name to like search you on Instagram yeah, and stuff, or think, did he just like have the number that you.
1: I think the parents must have taken my name. I think, okay. or I think they showed him. of Yeah, they must have because they, he had said when I met him up with him that he had seen a couple of photos.
0: Okay. Okay. So that's like, that's a real blind yeah, date. No. If he's like, this is a number. Your dad's <laughs> like, hey, this is a number. I met a girl in Ashley Furniture. I've been like, yes. you're a psycho. Don't introduce me to Do people not. like that.
1: But then we, in the meantime of me, before I went on the date, I made a TikTok about it. And I was, I said to Ashley, I said exactly what I just told you. And then I said, thanks Ashley Furniture for helping me find my potential husband. Okay. So then I go on the date and unfortunately did not go well. He was a cutie, but it just... He was super introverted. He was super quiet. It was like pulling teeth to get him to talk about anything. And as everyone can tell after this podcast, I am the opposite. I love talking and I will ask the most uncomfortable questions of anybody. Um, So just I knew it wasn't going to work out. And so but right when I got home from that date, I had a message from Ashley Furniture and they said, hey, we really like your love story. We'd like to be a part of your second date. Can we fly you out to L.A. for an event? and i was like oh my god what am i gonna do and so i asked the guy because part i was like part of me was like this is funny for the bit and also like what are the chances this happened and i asked him and he literally said no he was like no i wouldn't go on the he was because i had said like hey i don't know that i would like i'm ready to go on a second date but i think this would be really fun and he was like no i'm not comfortable with that and that right there was like the event like the list on my phone yeah. like the outdoorsy and adventurous side Something like that, where you say no to an opportunity like that, that is immediately like, no, absolutely not.
0: Were you able to go?
1: Yes. So then I messaged them back and I said, hey, it didn't really work out with the guy, but can I bring my best friend? And they said, "Uh, yeah, absolutely. So they flew Alana and I out to LA and we stayed at the coolest hotel called the Dream Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And it had a rooftop pool. And we went to this John Legend event and it was like a full-blown influencer event. I had to post like an Instagram for it. Um, just cause that was like part of the agreement. And I was literally being taught like treated like a full blown influencer. I got like when we got to the hotel, there was like a gift there. It was wild. It was so fun. Wow. So that's like my one influencer trip that I went on. That's so
0: that's so funny. It's crazy those kind of things that happen. Like yeah. you were sat buying a couch, you're in a furniture store, and then the next minute the corporation of Ashley Furniture reaches out. and's like, Okay, right. cool, that's and, and it makes sense. That's the power of social media, right? Well, that's and
1: that's the thing. That TikTok has three and a half million views. And just from that one TikTok is where I have all of my followers from. Like, I think I have like 50,000 followers on TikTok, which in the grand scheme of things, like because I've seen other people's numbers, I'm like, oh, it's only 50,000. But even working at Lululemon the other day, a mom and daughter came in and asked to take a photo with me literally like five days ago and i was like am i a celebrity like it was wild (laughs) and obviously i and i don't i post tiktoks for fun now i'll post them here and there like i don't post very consistently i I always try and start things consistently and like little projects and then i never follow through with them because it's a lot of work yeah um but yeah i now i just do it for fun so yeah like those story times usually get the most attention
0: what made you turn to TikTok? i know you know you've done it for a bit of time now but what made you turn to that app because i know With your TikTok, you've become way more vulnerable. Like you've talked about subjects and people put comments on and then you give more details, just like this podcast, right? People Mm -hmm. will be like, Wow, she's given a lot of details. What made you even think about, Okay, I'm gonna do this on TikTok? It's not easy to do. And you know, now I feel like you're very comfortable doing it and you've got used to that. But what what's that story like
1: honestly i just think i spent so much time on tiktok over covid and a lot of people like made fun of me for it and i get that but that truly was an outlet for me and that's where like through my hardest days that's what i would get watched to get through some of my hardest days and i i do know i very much have undiagnosed adhd and this is one of my goals for 2023 is to get that diagnosed cuz i know that i have adhd um, I would literally be sitting on the couch even if I was watching a movie or doing anything. I had to be scrolling on TikTok, which is not good. But my my attention span is not very good. So having an app where it was constantly filling my brain with all this information and it was fun. Like one, one video was a makeup video. The next video was a story time. Something was funny and made me laugh. Something was super relatable and made me cry. And it was just something that I got really attached to. And I saw the impact that other people's videos had on me. And just like, I've been through a lot in my life. And like, people always tell me they're like, you need to write a book. And so, and I'm sure people after listening to this episode are like, holy shit. (laughs) But I think it was just one of those things where I was like, I have something to say. And I know that a lot of people are really vulnerable on TikTok for some reason. Everyone's really comfortable on that app. And I've seen videos that say a lot wilder things that I do. So I just thought it'd be fun. And it is that. And I never expect the videos to get the views. And it's so funny every time I'm at work and someone I work with will be like, oh, I saw one of your get ready with me videos. Like at first I'm like, oh God. But I'm like, you know what? I posted that on the internet. Like I did it to myself. It's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, it's funny. And you've got to, you've just got to be you, right? Yeah. You mentioned obviously LA, you got flown out. For that was there anything else that you've received from tiktok have you ever done like paid things and that kind of thing
1: yeah i've never done like um i've never been paid for videos that i've posted but i've been sent product so okay sweet. yeah just like weird like coffee things some like makeup things just like little things like that it's i i think if i did take it seriously like i definitely could and i think because of that one video obviously getting the following that i did just from that one video if i started to take it seriously it wouldn't be too hard to get into routine of it but it is a ton of work Mm -hmm. like responding to emails posting the videos editing the videos making sure everything that they ask of you is in there and being consistent like it's a lot more work than people expect it so I I really respect the people that hustle out there for being an actual influencer
0: yeah and I think that's evident that a lot of people that tend to judge influencers digital creators whatever you want to call them is there is a lot of work there's editing there's doing the video they probably try the video a hundred times to get the right shot and things like that and and then also the attraction that they get from mm-hmm. other people there's comments and, and being active it's like you're constantly on your phone right and, and when well, and
1: anytime a girl comes up to me at cowboys and they are like oh my god i've seen your tiktoks as i'm bartending for them I immediately feel like I have to be the best person they've ever met because they recognize me from that because I don't want to tarnish that. I don't know. For some reason, like, and it's not that I act any different, but it's just the awareness of it. The second someone says like, oh, I recognize you from this or they're like, oh my God, I watched all of your Stampede get ready with me videos. Like Alana and I posted a string of Stampede fit check videos that got a good amount of attention just because it was consistent. It was the same thing. And it was kind of funny. And over Stampede, a lot of those videos blew up. But the second someone said that to me, they're like, "Oh, I recognize you from that." That almost made me feel like I needed to like be on for them.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. I I gave up my TikTok career. I think the uh, my dancing and my skiing. Was that was a,
1: my favorite phase of you, though the uh, skiing videos <laughs> and like Joe Biden. Come I know. On.
0: I know. Bing bong. Um, <laughs> bring it back. Bring back Bing bong. Um, it's one of the. It's a lot of work, obviously, just doing it and. People ask me all the time. They're like, "Come on, bring back TikTok down." And I'm like, "Look, it's, he's quietly, he's quietly <laughs> there, but um, maybe in the background is the best place for him." But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You never know what happens. Um, want to shift topics a little bit. Mental health again. Like all episodes, it typically comes up mm-hmm. due to different phases of conversation throughout the uh, the conversation that we've had. But I want to talk about kind of anxiety, depression, which you've talked about, but I'm going to ask you a question that someone actually asked first, and it was very simple. How are you feeling today?
1: You know what? Today I'm feeling really good because I feel like today is the first day that I feel rested in a really long time. And I know that's a huge trigger for me is when I am not rested, I am a bitch. Like I'm horrible when I do not feel, yes, I can run off of no sleep and I do it very often between my two jobs, but unless I'm actually fully rested, I am not my true self and I know that. So that is something I'm really working on. Um, But I also was reflecting today um, that I'm really proud of myself because I've actually been off of all of my medication since the end of August. And I have had not a single shred of seasonal depression this year. And that is a major win for me, especially considering where I was this time last year. I was a shell of a human. So yeah, I'm feeling good and I'm feeling proud.
0: Good for you. I like that. That was, that was super positive to start off this conversation that's probably going to take a turn. No, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I actually was going to ask kind of patterns and triggers. Have you understood what they are now? So for example, your anxiety, do you know what creates it? Is there a trigger that you that you deal with? What is that like for you?
1: Yeah, I think for my anxiety, my biggest triggers are trust. That's a huge thing for me. If someone, if I feel like I'm, I can't trust someone or someone has, um, broken my trust, I turn into an absolute psychopath. And that's definitely where I'm struggling in relationships. I, because of my past, I am either too trusting and I let people walk all over me or I'm a complete psychopath. And I want to know everything you're doing 24 seven, who you're talking to. And that's not good either. And I have being on both sides of it. I'm either completely cold-hearted and I have even like this time last year I completely destroyed a budding relationship because I just did not care enough because I was trying so hard to not let my trust wall be like like I wasn't trying to build this giant wall to the point where I actually just let it fall through the ground and I did not care at all um but then I've had other days where even like situationships that have been like two weeks (laughs) I will literally be like what t- i need to know everything who are you talking to what do you think of us like i will go full blown psycho it's it, not good
0: <laughs> yeah that sounds uh, a lot to unravel is there like is it like is it what i'm trying to get at is, is anxiety triggered typically in relationships or is this like a general thing for you like you have social anxiety what kind of
1: yeah, I definitely do not have social anxiety. That is one thing that I'm very <laughs> lucky for. I am a social butterfly. You can throw me into any room and I will make friends. And I've always been very thankful for that trait. Um, but yeah, my anxiety is mostly triggered by relationships in terms of trust and my fear of disappointing people. Especially like Alana and I, we, we will never be upset with each other for more than five minutes because the second one of us feels like the other one's slightly disappointed or upset with the other one. Both of our heart rates will shoot. You will see us get like frustrated. We'll get we'll get kind of snippy with each other or like other people. Like it is physically evident when I am not okay in terms of my anxiety. Um, but yeah, definitely relationships are the biggest trigger for my anxiety, whether it's like relationships with men or friendships and stuff too.
0: Is it for your anxiety and is it physical symptoms that you get or do you just close off?
1: Oh yeah, no. I like, I... I cannot eat when I'm anxious, which is really brutal. I drop weight really quickly when I'm anxious. So that's like a really big one for me. And Alana can call it out immediately. Like she will, she will literally be like, Hey, have you been eating lately? Or like, Hey, have you been feeling anxious lately? Because that is one of the first things that I just physically cannot do. I get, I will not sleep whatsoever. Like I will, I stay up. So then I become very snippy um, and yeah, my heart rate, like I just, I feel it in my palms. I ache. My, my anxiety is very physical. Um, and it's a lot of my like heart rate and things like that. And I just feel physically ill when I'm super anxious. It's a,
0: t- it's a tough ride, isn't it?
1: It's brutal. Like every time I've gone through a really bad breakup, I just want to literally, I cannot get out of bed. Like it is brutal.
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely in those types of situations, it's just enhanced, right? It's like, yeah anxiety on steroids i noticed uh, again on tiktok referring back to that you started like a bit of a mental health marathon um Mm -hmm. if you want to call it that and it it seemed like you you were coming from a positive side and the positive standpoint from it um and it's also a positive thing to do and i think for other people as well that's super positive but why did you kind of do that did it make you feel accountable or did you do it for other people or did you do it for yourself how did how did that work?
1: Yeah, that was one of my many projects that I started and then failed <laughs> and didn't continue with. But honestly, even when I look back at those videos, I think I only ended up posting like 11 of them or something like that. But it was enough videos that it, it, it was exactly that. I was trying to hold myself accountable for me to say, okay, I did not post a video today. And I knew that I had enough people looking at the videos that there was someone that was gonna be like, how is she doing? Like how? And it, it truly was that I had hit a rock bottom after summer. Alan and I came home from a trip and we both looked at each other and we both said, we are not happy. There is something very wrong with us. We, and that was why I ended up going off of my medication because I felt like I was so, ad- not addicted to my medication, but I was so addicted to the feeling of not feeling anything and feeling numb um, because I had felt so anxious for so long that I when I went on my antidepressants and my anti-anxiety, they put me on a really high dose. And so for almost the entire year, last year I was on 20 milligrams. Which is really high. Most people are on 10. And so I literally felt numb all summer. So I, that was the thing. I didn't really care about anything like one way or the other. I just kind of did what I wanted. I didn't care if I was hurting people. I didn't care if I was really happy. It was just the fact that I was going out and doing things and I was not sleeping and that kind of stuff. So we got home and both Alana and I were like, okay, we need to fix this. And that was my rock bottom. That's when I started posting those videos. And I just wanted to keep myself accountable and really look for something every day to say, hey, did I do something today to try and improve this or did I just live another day? Um, So, yeah, I didn't post many of those, but I do feel like that was kind of the kickstart of really kind of trying to be more positive and be more, not more busy, but more productive.
0: Yeah. And I I like that. I think mental health has become better or easier to speak about should i say and obviously it wasn't for a long time for many many years it wasn't even a thing that anyone knew anything about that kind of leads into my next question um how do you think we can kind of address the stigma surrounding mental health so for you that potentially as you went on tiktok you speaking about it is obviously the the obvious one that a lot of people talk about and, Mm -hmm. and being able to speak up but what do you think is kind of the key uh within that
1: the thing that I think is the most prevalent is that the older generation um, needs to be the ones to break the barriers now. I think every time it's still, it still seems so fluffy from them. I, I think the upcoming generation, like because I think I'm technically like a Gen Z or whatever. I'm not necessarily millennial, but I know I'm, I'm around there. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of that in between. I think Gen Z is unreal about talking about mental health I think they are really the drivers and talking about mental health politics and kind of like driving change in that way millennials are getting better I think the older half definitely has some work but the, um, the younger half is a lot more they're on social media more they talk about it more but it's actually like my mom's generation that I definitely see it was exactly that when I I genuinely when I went to tell my mom that I was depressed I was scared of her reaction because it was not something that was okay, how do we fix this? It was, there's something wrong with my child. Not that that's what my mom said to me, but <laughs> it's it's what the taboo was. Mm-hmm. And I still do find, especially in a lot of corporations, and I see it a lot in like the big four companies and the oil and gas companies, especially in Calgary, that it's still a bit of a joke. There's like, oh, you can take a mental health day, but does anyone actually take a mental health day? Oh, you have unlimited paid time off. Oh, but does anyone actually feel like they can take that? Or are they too scared because of how it ends up looking? Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that's kind of the thing is it's still like the bigger, older corporations that I think cause a lot of issues for the like middle ground people.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting perspective for sure. It, you know, th- there's definitely complications and it's it's a work in progress, I think. But um, that's, a, that's a good view on it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pretty much closing up here, but a couple more questions just to just to get the most out of it while I've got, <laughs> you, while I've got your time here. We've talked about obviously a lot of trauma uh, a lot of difficulties that you've gone through obviously want to turn it around to make it positive and i know you're like that too what's great about your life right now what's what's kind of next for you
1: honestly have no idea what's next i'm kind of in this space right now where i'm just i'm working a ton between my two jobs and it is a lot and i am really trying to find some work-life balance and I and it's not that i'm I know I can sound like I'm kind of like kill all men, and I'm not that way. I do. I am so obsessed with love and finding a relationship, and I I do really want that in my life. So I think that's something I really want to focus on in 2023 is kind of finding a genuine, like deep, true love and connection and stability in that way. And that's something that's super important to me. I also really want to buy a house this year. So that's one of the reasons that I am working so much and that that's kind of keeping me going is like, The money from bartending is kind of disgusting, I will say. It's mind-blowing. Do you want to share? (laughs) That I will not. (laughs) I will not get too deep into that. But all I got to say is if you're looking for some cash, get into bartending. It's insane. So while I feel like there are days where I'm working myself into the ground, I know that I'm hitting this bigger goal. And to be financially stable and to be financially comfortable is a whole other stress that's off my back than I know that I did have last year. That really did um, contribute to my anxiety, so I definitely just think as while I can hack it, while my body can hack it, I just kind of want to keep working.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, if you're making the money and you're you're young enough now, you might as well pile that pile that into to get a house. That's, well, that's and a it's and move. it is
1: so social too. Like both my jobs, I talk to strangers twenty four seven, and starting a new job, I created a whole new work family, which was also really fun for me. It kind of was a switch up of my life. I have a new a new set of management. I have a new set of coworkers that I really enjoy. Um, and so that is like, we know, obviously we can tell that I'm very extroverted in that way. And so when I am not spending time trying to self care, I do want to be around people and I thrive off of people. I'm very empathetic. So when someone's in a good mood, I take that on. And when someone's not feeling so great, I want to chat it through with them. Um, so I do really like having that new set of people to be around too.
0: I feel like, there should be a time when I get the whole of um, Cowboys nightclub crew uh, on a <laughs> podcast and just give them some microphones, say, take it away. See what Seriously. happens. And I'm sure we have a some whole
1: sto- host of different people.
0: Oh, I'm sure the stories are extremely entertaining. And maybe that could be a could be an episode that I think people definitely in Calgary would would enjoy maybe across Canada. Um, I ask a lot of my guests this. If you could title this particular chapter in your life, what would you name it?
1: Oh, that is such a good question. Um,
0: Picky as fuck. D- I was going <laughs> to say,
1: what do I want to title this chapter? Um. Oh my God, that, I think that's the hardest question I've ever been asked. It is, I
0: always say the hardest to last.
1: Um, I'm going to go with myself. I just, just genuinely just myself. This chapter is for myself, whether that is, focusing on love or my relationships or whatever it is i just i'm done putting other people above my own self-worth
0: i like that maybe that should be your book yeah i go myself
1: (laughs) everything i've gone through to realize that i am important me
0: myself and josie (laughs) make it into a movie i'll be an actor in it
1: oh my god please jim i know i'll be like a jim carrey hey you've been in my life long enough you you could have a full character in that. I know I
0: could, I could like just in the background, just always there. I like that. <laughs> um final question if you could nominate someone to be on the show, who would it be mm-hmm. and why?
1: Okay, I'm not gonna go with the easy answer. That's my best friend Alana. Yeah. Although that girl has been through a wild journey. She'd be a very interesting episode. Um I actually, funny enough, I really want you to have Sarah Nunn on this podcast because that would be a good one yeah yeah I just feel like that girl has been her life has been very interesting and she is one of those ones that she has a bigger social media following and you just I had a very different perspective of her until I met her truly the first night I met her I was so terrified and now I love that girl she is so sweet she has such a story to tell Mm -hmm. um and I could just really see her like getting vulnerable I think it might take a little bit but I would love to see her get vulnerable and obviously also Alana and I would love to be here for both of those podcasts.
0: Yeah, see a lot. It's, <laughs> I know, I know. I I have a lot of people asking to watch. We're probably gonna do some live shows, um, eventually. But watching it is, especially in kind of the studio environment, they literally sit there and they can't speak <laughs> because that, then yeah, you can hear. It.
1: I feel like I'd want to contribute, especially to Alana's. So yeah. I'd be like, oh, you're missing this. Like you need. Yeah, to and this I think there's
0: definitely hard. some guests that. You do want to just bring in a friend and throw the mic in and say, you know, you kind of take it away because, you know, obviously my my role here is to ask as deep questions as I can to understand and give people enough ex- like into your life. Um, but obviously the closest people around you are typically the ones that go, do you remember that story? And are you willing to share it? But yeah, thank you so much, obviously for, for joining me. I appreciate all the vulnerability and sharing the stories that you've shared. And, um, yeah, I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy this one.
1: Thank you for having me. And I'm so proud of you, Dan. I love, I've, I've told you I've listened to every episode so far and I just love what you're doing. And I think this has been so fun. I've known most of the people that have been on the podcast so far, but I just can't wait to like get more strangers on here for me to listen to. But I'm I'm just so proud of you. I love this whole setup.
0: Thank you to my guests for joining me and to you guys for listening. Next week, we'll meet a new guest to learn about their persona behind their social media account. If you want to ask a question on a future episode, go to our Instagram at Sonder Society Pod, where you can suggest topics and even nominate a guest you want to see on the show. If you enjoyed the show, please review us on Spotify and Apple and share with your friends to help build the society. Catch you next time.